Good morning. Happy Tuesday. It is November 21st. You're listening to Roadmap to Heaven. I'm Adam Wright, and we are very happy to be with you this morning as we prepare for the Thanksgiving holiday, and we continue to talk about uh, the Eucharist this week. And we have some other things for you as well, because it's a day that we celebrate the Blessed Mother as well. Let's pray, and then I'll tell you all about today's show. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. O Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer you my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of this day for the intentions of your Sacred Heart in union with the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass throughout the world in reparation for my sins, for the intentions of all my relatives and friends, and in particular for the intentions of the Holy Father, amen. We dedicate all of our thoughts, words, and actions to the greater glory of God in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Well, as Mike Roberts is going to tell you in a moment, today is the memorial of the presentation of the Virgin Mary. This is, of course, when she was an infant and was presented. He'll tell you all about that. Uh, With that, we're going to talk today, first half of the show, for our radio listeners, about the Family that prays together stays together. If you know Father Patrick Payton, you've heard those words, and uh, you know his devotion to the rosary and the family rosary, so we're going to hear a little bit about that. Also for our radio listeners, we're going to hear from Father Schumacher on the presentation of the Blessed Virgin Mary. For our radio and podcast listeners today, we have Father Ryan Kornstrom joining us to talk about the Eucharistic Congress and the pilgrimage opportunity that he's taking with some of his parishioners to head to Indianapolis next summer for the National Eucharistic Congress as part of the National Eucharistic Revival. So that is all ahead on the show today. You know, I, I tell you this, I, I've heard a couple people ask about this lately, uh, a National Eucharistic Revival and a revival of the Sacrament of Penance and how I would love to see a revival of the Sacrament of Penance too. Uh, but for me, I'm going to worry about me and my kids right now and my wife, and that's the most important thing for us. And I'm going to say this. Devotion to the Eucharist has led to an increased devotion for the need, an increased understanding, I should say, of the need for us to go to confession so that we may worthily receive our Lord in the Eucharist um, and vice versa. Going to confession frequently has just deepened my love for our Lord in the Eucharist. So I'll leave it at that and get you to the weather in our Saint of the Day from Mike Roberts. Today is the memorial of the presentation of the Blessed Virgin Mary. The story of Mary before the birth of Christ is taken from the Proto-Evangelium of James and attributed to St. James the Minor, though the real author was likely someone else. In thanksgiving for the gift of their daughter, immaculately conceived in the womb of St. Anne when she and St. Joachim were advanced in years, they take Mary to the temple in Jerusalem when she is about three years old. This fulfills a promise Joachim and Anne had made to God when they were childless and praying for a baby. Mary's presentation is important theologically because it continues the impact of the Feasts of the Immaculate Conception and the narrative of Mary's role in the journey of Jesus coming into the world as Savior. Our Lady tells St. Bernadette, I am the Immaculate Conception. St. Maximilian Kolbe says this means that Mary is the created Immaculate Conception and the Holy Spirit the uncreated Immaculate Conception and the spouse of Mary. O Mary, conceived without sin, pray for us who have recourse to thee. I'm meteorologist Mike Roberts for Covenant Network. Have a blessed day. 
Saint of the Day can arrive each morning by subscribing on your favorite podcast player. Search Covenant Network to see all our podcasts. Prayer of St. Francis of Assisi. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. And where there is sadness, joy. O Divine Master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. We're happy to have Father Ryan Kornstrom from the Archdiocese of St. Louis with us on the show today. Yesterday we were talking about the National Eucharistic Revival and the local impact of that, especially with the pilgrimage that will be coming on the Sarah route from the West Coast through the state of Missouri, then through the state of Illinois, ultimately ending at the National Eucharistic Congress in Indianapolis next summer. And so today, uh, as a follow-up to that, we spent so much time yesterday talking about the walking pilgrimage, we wanted to spend a little time talking about this idea of making a pilgrimage to Indianapolis to go to the National Eucharistic Congress. Father, it's great to have you with us on the show today. Yeah, thanks for the invite, Adam. Good to be here and really excited for this event this upcoming summer in Indianapolis. Now, I know, Father, the last time we had you on the show, we were talking about a very different type of pilgrimage. You had just finished walking the Camino pilgrimage in Spain, uh, many more miles than I would have been able to walk, and ending with a, uh, in a beautiful culmination at the Compostela, at the Cathedral of St. James in Spain. Uh, what we're talking about next summer is, you know— for some, they would say, well, wait a minute, is this really a pilgrimage? This sounds more like a trip to a conference, but but you're taking a group. You, you're no stranger to pilgrimages. Tell, tell us a little bit about why this is important to you. Yeah, absolutely. So like you mentioned, we talked when I finished uh, 490 miles across northern Spain um, to the tomb of St. James the Greater. And I think a conviction that arose in my heart during those 32 days of walking it was, was just that. So much of our Catholic faith is about, um, is incarnational, that you can go and you can see these places. Um, you can go to the Holy Land and you can see the places where um, Jesus preached, where he died, where he rose from the dead. Um, you can see the places where the saints have lived and walked and ministered. And so it's become, over the last 2,000 years, just part of Catholic culture um, and part of Catholic practice to go and to make a, a pilgrimage of penance um, to a place to realize there are sacrifices involved, but that all of our, our sacrifices are, um, are seen by the Lord and are meritorious for us and, and for the whole church when they're offered up in union with Jesus on the cross. And so to be able to say, yeah, um, I'm going to make a sacrifice even of my time. Um, a sacrifice, perhaps a little bit of the wallet to say, I'm going to go to Indianapolis to be in communion with tens of thousands of Catholics and many, many bishops from across our country to worship God, right? To worship um, the Jesus that we know is present, body, blood, soul, and divinity in the Eucharist. And so that's what this is all really about, is that the Eucharist is the source and summit of our faith. And it's a statement for us as a country that um, the Eucharist is primary. The Eucharist is first and foremost um, the reason 
for so much that we do as Catholics that the life of the church flows from the Eucharist and towards the Eucharist, towards the sacrifice of the Mass. And so it's a beautiful testament to that truth um, that we live day in and day out in all of our parishes. I, I love how you phrase that to say that this is a statement for our country, because, you know, in, in many ways we think about going to something like this. Oh, I'm looking forward to hearing this speaker or, or number of speakers, and there's going to be some great speakers at the National Eucharistic Congress. I'm looking forward to the liturgies or perhaps the music or the, the fellowship with the other pilgrims I know. Maybe I know people that are coming from the other side of the country, and, and it's going to be great to meet up with them at the Congress but first and foremost, it is that statement of faith to, to the United States to say, as Catholics, this is number one for us. We believe in our Lord's presence in the Eucharist. And, Father, I, I think back to—well, actually, I can't think back to the last time we had a National Eucharistic Congress in the United States because I wasn't alive. And I do know that since that time, there has been an ever— increasing, perhaps exponentially increasing number of citizens in our country who say, I don't believe the Catholic faith or any faith. And and certainly, you know, what are you all doing together in Indianapolis because of a, a piece of bread? The, the nation is in need of this statement right now. Absolutely. And that's the reason for this entire event. Remember, it began um, several years ago. There was a document that came out that had studied um, Catholics' belief and understanding of, of the real presence um, of Jesus in the Eucharist. And so that study found that um, a shocking number of, of U.S. Catholics don't quite understand what we mean by the real presence, which is that Jesus is substantially present, body, blood, soul, and divinity in, in the Eucharist, right? In what appears to us as bread and wine, we call those the accidents, the physical characteristics or properties um, but after the words of consecration by the priest, through the power of the Holy Spirit, the bread and wine is transubstantiated into Jesus's body and blood that um, in its substance, in its essence, it is Jesus, not a symbol, not that Jesus is present alongside the substances of bread and wine, but that this has become Jesus. And so many, um, I think Catholics for a long time, perhaps our catechesis or whatever, we had we had seemingly failed because um, we had such a drop-off in belief and understanding. And so our bishops all got together and said, we need to do something about this. And so this event is a response to just that need um, in our country. And you're right to say, too, that the last time we had a National Eucharistic Congress was in June of 1941. Um, it was the ninth Eucharistic Congress held in St. Paul, Minnesota. And so it's been a long, long time, a few years before I was born. And uh, this now is the 10th National Eucharistic Congress. We did have an international one we hosted as a country in Philadelphia, and that was in 1976. So it's been a long time since we've done anything remotely similar to this um, as a country, and I think um, we, are, we are overdue. Safe to say that not only was I not alive, and not, not even my parents had been born yet, and so this is now two generations that will be experiencing a National Eucharistic Congress for the first time. I realize, especially every, every time we talk about the Congress, that this, for a lot of us, is going to involve sacrifice to be able to go. But as Father said, it, it's really a question of priorities, and it, it's certainly something we need to consider. Can we go? Um, Father, as you brought this up in the parish, 
What are some of the questions you've been asked, and, and how do you respond to those when someone says, well, wait, what is this you want me to go to, and, and why do you want me to go to this, and, and what's this going to mean for our group? Yeah, absolutely. I'm uh, just excited about the fact that I see the Holy Spirit at work in this event, that it's something that um, has been several years in the making. Remember, we've had, um, it's it's unfolded in stages, that the National Eucharistic Congress is supposed to be the culmination of events that have taken place locally in our dioceses, and then um, even more so at the parish, that these last couple of years we've been, um, it's been an unfolding or a, a cascading process um, beginning locally. And then of course, um, I know you talked with uh, Jane Gunther about the, the pilgrimage, right? To take from these four corners of the United States to process with Jesus, to take him to our streets and to walk with him um, together, converging on Indianapolis. And so um, what I've told my parishioners is just that I'm excited to participate in what's really a historic event, to be able to um, say that I want to be part of the uh, solution, so to speak, or part of the, the rebuilding of belief in the real presence of Jesus in the Eucharist, um, and to just have our parish represented, too, um, to know that this is something that the bishops who are our chief shepherds, the leaders of our, our country and the faith have said, uh, this is a priority for us. And they're expending a lot of time and energy on this. And so I, as the parish priest, right, the boots on the ground, I'm going to support that effort and want to be able to um, say that um, at least my parish, you know, representing Oakville, Missouri, we're going to, we're going to have a presence in Indianapolis. Um, we're going to say on behalf of of Oakville on behalf of our parishes. Um, we believe and we know this is important in the church. We're going to stop here and take a break. We'll continue with Father Kornstrom after this. Here's Mary-Kate Westridge with the song Beloved. Prayer in a time of waiting. All-powerful and ever-living God, guard our churches, our homes, our schools, our hospitals, our factories, and all the places where we gather. Deliver us from harm and peril. Protect our land and the peoples from enemies within and without. Grant an early peace with victory founded upon justice. Instill in the hearts and minds of men and women everywhere a firm purpose to live forever in peace and goodwill toward all. This we ask through Christ our Lord. Amen. If you're just joining us before the break, we started a conversation with Father Ryan Kornstrom about the National Eucharistic Congress. We're happy to have Father with us today as we talk about making that pilgrimage out to Indianapolis. One of the questions I wanted to ask about, Father, is the impact. Um, you know, we talked about the importance of the, the witness and the testimony of saying, we're going because we believe. And, you know, I, I imagine how will the nation react to seeing this giant football stadium filled with Catholics. Uh, but recently I had the opportunity to go to one of these diocesan events. I was up in Springfield, Illinois, for their Diocesan Eucharistic Congress. And I remember I, throughout the day, first off, it was just a wonderful day. Uh, but especially at, at the culmination, when Holy Mass began at 4 o'clock, standing uh, towards the back of the arena because I needed to keep our equipment in view, as the procession was coming in and the choir was singing and the arena was filled with the voices of just 5,000 of the faithful gathered that day singing, I was overwhelmed and it moved to tears. And I, I couldn't help but think, you know, when this many of God's children gather together 
in one place to say, Lord, we adore you. We want to draw close to you. We love you. And to ask for his grace that he, he's just going to respond so generously as a, a vocation director once told me, God's never outdone in generosity. Um, is it reasonable to expect that when we gather next summer in even greater numbers, that the outpouring of grace could just be overwhelming? Yeah, and truly, there's no um, there's no way to put that into words, right? Um, it's indescribable the power of of the Holy Spirit, and when we open our hearts to God's love, even on a personal level, sometimes that experience is indescribable for us as individuals. And now you multiply that out by tens of thousands to say we as as a church in the United States um, want you jesus we want your power we want your grace we want your presence right in the eucharist um to be a part of the fabric of our nation and to be part of all of our parishes and so making that statement that's a, a powerful prayer and uh there are sometimes uh, and many times prayers as priests that i can guarantee my people that god will answer and that is one of those prayers that when tens of thousands of us gather in indianapolis and say you know send down your holy spirit upon our country and renew and rejuvenate belief in the real presence of Jesus in the Eucharist, that's a prayer I guarantee that God will answer. You know, it's a powerful thing. And even to think about, as you mentioned, Lucas Oil Stadium, that's the express intention, is to pack Lucas Oil Stadium with 80,000 people. And most people tune into the television and see Lucas Oil Stadium in completely different circumstances, right? It's a place where people gather um, for good cheer, for sport, and we're going to be there with Jesus, right? To bring the Eucharist into that place um, that um, so often serves as right entertainment for our country. We're going to say, um, Jesus is the king, right? Not football, Jesus. Yeah. It takes me back to my high school days when we'd have all school mass in the gym and our dean of students, a very stern man that, that we all feared and loved, would come out and say, this is no longer a gymnasium. This is now the house of God. You will treat it as such or you will answer to me and then to him. And, uh, you know, right. the, the, the real transformation of that space. But uh, what an incredible thing it is to know that even these secular spaces can be transformed into sacred places just by the presence of God. And, and it's an amazing thing for us. Uh, Father, some incredible news was released last week, too, especially relevant for our listeners who live within that doable drive of Indianapolis, that the USCCB has made day passes available for those who maybe can't take off an entire week from work and make it out there, or maybe the cost of going for a day is more feasible than an entire week. Uh, that's certainly something we want to let you know about. Also, uh, they've been releasing more and more information about the tracks and who the speakers are going to be, what's going to be taking place. I had some time to sit down and look at that. I'm excited. I'm, I'm very excited about uh, several of the keynotes, and, and most importantly, though, really just about worshiping together in the times of going to Holy Mass and then flowing from that, the times of Eucharistic adoration and being with not just our St. Louis pilgrims, not just our Covenant Network listening area pilgrims, but but with the faithful from across the country. So the website to go to for more information is eucharisticrevival.org. For those of you listening in St. Louis, though, you want to go to archsdl.org slash eucharisticrevival, and you can find information about that specific pilgrimage opportunity. For our other listeners and the other dioceses we cover, I, I encourage you to visit your diocesan website and find information or inquire about pilgrimage opportunities. Um, what's great 
about the diocesan pilgrimage is I all I had to do was worry about signing up. I didn't have to worry about where am I going to stay or what am I going to eat because a lot of those questions were answered. I just have to get myself to Indianapolis, and uh, the rest is kind of planned out for us. Um, Father Kornstrom, thank you so much for taking the time to talk about Eucharistic Revival with us today on Roadmap to Heaven. Could I ask for a prayer for our listeners to help us steepen our Eucharistic faith before we conclude? Absolutely. Thanks. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord Jesus, we come to you. We know you are present, body, blood, soul, and divinity in the Eucharist. And we ask that you help us to know and to believe and to live from the power of that truth in our lives. Help us to grow in our own devotion to you so that we can live the self-sacrifice that you have given us as an example. Um, The way you've humbled yourself in the Eucharist, that we can imitate all of the virtues that are displayed in the Eucharist. We can live that out day by day and be an example to our brothers and sisters as we all journey together to heaven. We ask all this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thanks for having me, Adam. Oh, it's our pleasure to have you, Father. We're going to take a break here on the show. Don't go anywhere. St. Ignatius of Loyola's Prayer Against Depression. O Christ Jesus, when all is darkness and we feel our weakness and helplessness, give us the sense of your presence, your love, and your strength. Help us to have perfect trust in your protecting love and strengthening power so that nothing may frighten or worry us. For, living close to you, we shall see your hand, your purpose, your will through all things. Amen. I like to think of myself as an avid reader, but I never have time to get to all of the books I want to get to. So that's why I love Patty when on the Daily Dose of Encouragement, you kind of give us a book report about what you've been reading and and the lessons we can apply to our lives. So I'm very excited about this week, Reflections from the Saints on Weathering the Storms of Life. Yes, it's just a compilation of quotes. The book is by Deborah Herbeck, and it's called Safely Through the Storm. Yesterday, I shared with you a quote from St. Therese of Lisieux. The point of it was basically... Find God in that present moment, even in that suffering. Live in the present. Don't look too much to the future or in the past. Today, I want to share a quote from St. John Henry Newman. Here's what he says. One thing alone I know, that according to our need, so will be our strength. One thing I am sure of, that the more the enemy rages against us, so much more will the saints in heaven plead for us. The more fearful are our trials from the world, the more present to us will be our Mother Mary and our good patrons and angel guardians. The more malicious are the devices of men against us, the louder cry of supplications will ascend from the bosom of the whole church to go to God for us. We shall not be left orphans. We shall have within us the strength of the paraclete promised to the church and to every member of it. End of quote. His point here is we are never alone in our trials. The enemy, however, wants us to think that no one understands, no one can help me, no one can really relate. That is a lie. We have the entire church triumphant cheering us on from heaven. We have the power of the Trinity just for the asking. We have the strength of the sacraments to sanctify us, the witness of the saints to encourage us, and the word of God to guide us. So, remember... In your trial today, in whatever storm of life that you are facing, the first key 
is to find God in the present moment. The second key is to remember you are never alone. Call upon everything the church has to offer to help you weather your storm. I think it's a natural tendency in tough situations to think I need someone strong to help me. And Patty, you've brought two heavy hitters so far this week, St. Therese of Lisieux, the little flower, and now one of my favorites, St. John Henry Newman. I can't wait to find out what's in store tomorrow. One of the things I really appreciate in life is the opportunity for dialogue. Dialogue with a friend or with a co-worker, with a neighbor, with you know, another parent, whatever it may be. But that opportunity to say, you know, I'm, I'm having trouble understanding or this is important to me and I'm having trouble articulating it, but I want to continue to talk. I, I want to articulate what I'm trying to say. And it's a great reminder for me of the importance of studying our faith. And sometimes that means proactively studying, taking courses, taking classes. Maybe it's an online series, something like that. And other times it's just listening to programs here on Covenant Network that help form us in our faith. And sometimes there might be a specific topic that says, okay, this came up and I know I need to know what the church teaches on this, but I'm not quite sure how to articulate that or exactly what the church teaches, and it's a great opportunity to go and say, well, what does the church teach? So often I have this tendency to just rely on my feelings and, and that, that first, uh, well, what's your gut tell you? What's your gut telling you? Well, my gut might be wrong. I might be poorly formed on a matter. And that's why it's so important to go and say, well, what does the church teach? And, you know, go to the catechism, go to the saints, go to the scriptures, and to do some good, solid research, and then recognize the limits of my understanding and say, okay, I'm not here, I need help, and to find someone good to point us in the right direction. I bring this up because it happened to me yesterday, and I am so grateful for our faith because it was a matter involving the kids, and it's an important matter, and what the church teaches on the matter is so illuminating, and it, it's going to make for some great conversation at the Wright Institute for Theological Discourse next time the kids ask this question. Or maybe I might even bring it up proactively with them. But it's just so great to have that foundation to know. I don't have to know everything. I just have to know to go to the church and to ask her to, to be what she is, teacher and mother and guide us in the conversation, guide us along the way. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end, amen. Mary, Mother of the Church, pray for us. Saint Joseph, Terror of Demons, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Well, we've been talking about our Lord and the Eucharist all week here on Roadmap to Heaven. Tomorrow, we're going to continue that with an amazing opportunity to, for a powerful night of Eucharistic adoration. But before we sign off today, I just want to encourage you, as you plan for Thanksgiving, just two days away. Today, i got to make all of my vegetable dips because they need to sit in the fridge for two days and let those flavors marinate. Start planning, too, so that you can get to Mass on Thursday morning to say thank you to God for all the gifts. For Covenant Network, I'm Adam Wright. Pray your rosary today.